I see many signs that we're coming back to a healthy balance. I think just the fact more people are willing to even speak on these issues and voice mm -hmm. their concerns, um, I think that's all really positive. I see it happening with media. I see it happening in academia. I see it happening with individuals, corporations. Um, there's sports uh, organizations that have just said, like, look, if you were born a man, you can't compete mm -hmm. as a woman, right. you know? So, which you think they would have worked that out earlier, but you know, it's, I'm like, okay, you're late, but it's, it's happening. Hey everybody. Welcome to the What Is Money show. I am thrilled to have you here joining me on my mission to help shine light on the corruption of money. Now, if this is your first time listening to the What Is Money show, I strongly recommend that you go back to episodes one through nine first, which lays a lot of the groundwork for many of the concepts that we explore on the show. These first nine episodes are my series with Michael Saylor, and thousands of people have told me that this is the best podcast series they've ever heard, hands down, and that it was instrumental to their understanding of money and Bitcoin. So if you're looking to start a deep dive into the nature of money, I don't think there's any place better that you can start other than episode one of this show. Now, a little bit about this show and how it makes money. The What Is Money show is 100% sponsor based. So all of our revenues are derived from direct sponsorships. And I strive to be very selective about the sponsors that I work with, specifically only using sponsors that I use personally, and also choosing sponsors that have values which are well aligned to the values expressed on this show, such as freedom, education, self-sovereignty, etc. So what I'm gonna do now is a few ad reads right at the top of the show, and then I'll do a few more ad reads in the middle. And I hope you'll take the time to listen to them, as again, these are hand-selected sponsors, and I think you'll like what they have to offer. Today's podcast is brought to you by N. Wolf's Clothing. Wolf is the first startup accelerator dedicated exclusively to the Bitcoin Lightning Network. Four times per year, Wolf brings teams from around the world to New York City to work with like-minded entrepreneurs, pushing the boundaries of what's possible with Bitcoin and Lightning. The program is designed to help early-stage companies achieve product market fit, develop their brand, secure early-stage funding, and grow businesses that help fuel the global adoption of Bitcoin. So go to wolfnyc.com to learn more about the program or apply. Again, that's WolfNYC, W-O-L-F-N-Y-C.com. Zuby, welcome to the What Is Money show. Hey, Robert. Good to see you, man. It's great to have you back on. Uh, you were one of my early guests. I think first 100 or so episodes uh, you were on, and we've seen each other in person quite a few times since, but I think this is the second time you've been on the show. Um. Not that you need much of an introduction, but by way of quick intro, you are a rapper, author, podcaster, and I would add personally, a Twitter superstar. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> or X superstar, I guess is the correct term now. Um, well, that sounds like I used to be a superstar and I'm not anymore. <laughs> That's right. That doesn't even work. <laughs> That's a branding mess up with the, the Twitter guys over there. <laughs> um. So yeah, man, it's great to have you on. I, you know, wanted to talk about some of the madness that's going on in the world. Um, wanted to talk a little bit about your life too. I know your life has changed a lot, as we were just saying offline. I myself have been going through a lot of personal changes. 
Um, and I get a lot of questions about these things. So maybe we could riff on some of that for a little bit. Yeah, sure thing, man. Happy to. You were saying that you once flirted with the idea of being a lifelong bachelor. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, it was only for a short period in my life, but yeah. And then your views changed and now you're on a, a very different trajectory. Um, there's a lot of young men that listen to this show. You, you said you are 37. I am almost 38 years old, so we're about the same age. Maybe we could just chart out how our views on that topic have changed going from our 20s into our late 30s. Uh, where where have you come from and where are you at today in terms of your outlook on dating, life, women, family, etc.? Man, okay, let's let's jump right into it. So first of all, I think the most important thing to say is that I'm blessed to come from an extraordinarily from an extraordinary family. Mm. Um, my parents have been married for about 48, 48 years. Wow. I'm the I'm the last of five kids. All of my siblings are married. I have 10 nieces and nephews. Wow. Uh, no, no divorces in my family or anything like that. And my, my wider family is gigantic. I have over 50 first cousins. So wow. I come from a background where I have very much seen marriage work, um, lots of kids, lots of family involvement. To this day, my family is extremely close even though we are scattered all over the world. So I guess that instilled in me a certain viewpoint and just an understanding of the importance of family and marriage and kids and just the sort of generational lineage and legacy. Um, these are things that I guess I didn't start actively thinking about them all that much until maybe I was in my late teens and going into my 20s. Um, but that's really what I've what I've always been surrounded by. Mm. Um, in terms of the sort of brief flirtation with the idea of being a lifelong bachelor, this was not a, uh, you know, I've, I've always aspired to be married and to have my own children since I was mm. pretty young. I think there was just that brief flirtation in my sort of late teens where you're just kind of like doing the math and you're mm -hmm. like, Hey, what if I just like, what if you just like stayed single? Like, wouldn't you just have like ton, tons of money and you'd be able to kind of do whatever you want? It was a, it was a very sort of juvenile juvenile worldview of it mm -hmm. and then um when i thought about it in a bit more depth and i thought about the fact that every single one of us is the result of an unbroken chain of reproduction dating back however many millennia and beyond mm -hmm. um and i was like yeah that would be a bad idea i don't want to be a genetic dead end and i think further yes. to that and this is an important message to uh maybe both young young men and young women because you know, you and I, Robert, we're we're at that interesting age where we're 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 sort of young men, but we're also like two decades older than a seventeen-year-old, yes, yes. <laughs> or an eighteen-year-old, right? right? right, right, right? right so, right. so in some ways, compared to people who are in their fifties, sixties, seventies, eighties, you know, we're very much young men. But you can talk to someone who's twenty, and you can actually like tell them some things, right? You've yes. got you've got some years and experience on them. Um, I think one thing that a lot of young people do and probably always will is that you tend to only think about your life. You think about the first half of your life. I think most people who are 20, they think of their life up until maybe the age of 40 or 45. Yes. Most young people don't think about what they're going to do between 45 and 90. Right. Right. So, so you're thinking, okay, this yeah. is what I want to do by 30 or 35 or 40, but 
people aren't thinking of like, okay, in my 60s, in my 70s, in my 80s, right. this is where I want to be. Um, and I think when you take that longer term view, the importance, look, I'm not trying to, be, 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 even before putting the caveat, the truth is over 90% of people actually do want to have children. Yes. The people who don't want to have kids are actually the exception. Yeah. Um, so I'm not trying to, you know, push any ideology or make anyone feel like, oh, I sure. must have kids. But the truth is most people want to. And when I look, for example, at my parents, um, my, my mom is going to be 70 this year hmm. and my dad is approaching 80 and they've both had successful careers. They've done and achieved lots of great things. My dad's hmm. been a medical doctor for five decades, helped save Wow. I un, unknown. I don't know how many people's lives, but he's you know he's he's big and been a big asset to all the different communities he's been in. But I know for certain, if I were to ask them what they are most proud of, and what it is day to day that gives them the most joy, mm -hmm. it is their five children and their ten and counting grandchildren. It keeps them young, keeps them active, keeps them in communication. Right? Because it's, I think as I've never been an old person before, obviously, but I think it's almost like giving you an additional lease on life in a way yes. because you, you live your life and then you have kids and you see them grow up and you kind of live a bit vicariously through them. Yes. And then hopefully they go on and they get married and they have kids and then you've got it all again. Right. I've just been playing with, I've got a nephew who's like seven months old. Um, yeah. and I've just been playing, I've just been playing with him downstairs and you're just like, man, this is, <laughs> this is dope. And it's cool to me as well. Cause I'm, I'm the youngest of all the kids. So um, I've been an uncle now for 17 years. I became an uncle when I was 20. Wow. And it's been cool with all my nieces and nephews to see that process over and over again. I've got a niece who's going to turn 18 this year. And I can very clearly remember wow. like when she was, you know, when she was bored and when she was just a little baby. And now I'm looking at her and yeah. she's going to be going off to college and all this. So I say all that to be like, man, this is dope. Um, yeah. This is definitely something that I want to do. And I'm going to do. And I think it's it's actually exciting because it's that new chapter of life. Um, for some people, it makes sense to do that in their early 20s. For some people, mid or late 20s. For some people, their 30s. Some people don't start families until their 40s. Mm -hmm. People have different paths, right? People could fight all day about what is quote unquote optimal. But the truth is, yes, you can speak in some generalities, but there's people who, you know, there's people who it totally makes sense for them to get married at 21. And there's people who they have no, and there's people who have, have no business getting married and having kids at 21. Right. You know, so it just depends on, it depends on a lot of factors where you are in life. I'd say as a man, even, you know, where you are financially and in your career and in your maturity, people, you know, develop in different ways and we all have different career paths. Yes. If I had stayed in, if I had stayed in the corporate world, I probably would already have a family. Mm. But I took a different, I took a different path. I took mm. this entrepreneurial creative path and it wasn't until my, Honestly, it wasn't until my mid thirties when stuff started to pop off in a way mm. where I was like, okay, cool. I'm no longer struggling just to keep myself afloat. I actually yeah. now have some um, abundance and surplus where I would feel comfortable being able to actually have and sustain a family without mm. being in struggle mode 24 seven. And I think that's important, especially as a man. Yes. Um, there's a lot of things we have to fight in the world and- I would don't, you know, I'd rather make it a little bit easier in, yes. in certain aspects than make it harder. So that's uh, sort of how my thoughts and views have developed on it over time. And I think it's a very 
interesting subject, just given where we are in the world and culture right now. It, it is the most important subject, right? This is, mm. as you said, it's the continuation of the species. Um, I, you are extremely fortunate, by the way. Like, I don't know I many know. people that have parents, you said married for 48 years. Yeah. I mean, my, yeah, my oldest siblings, 10, 11 years older than me. So, and yeah. That's incredible. And surrounded by successful marriages. So you all, like all of your role models growing up or all of the, the influences in your life are like successful marriages so like you yeah that programming that may be a strong word but that influence in your life you're so fortunate to have that because mo i would say most people in the world at this point don't have that but you know what i i think most people in the usa don't have that sadly yeah um in most of the world people people actually do have that mm. um it, it varies a lot i mean if you look at a country like if you look at the most populous country in the world which is yeah. india uh, the divorce rate in India is under 5%. Wow. So 95, 95% of marriages in India are till death do us part. Um, in many parts of the, 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 the statistics vary massively sure. from country to country, right? Does that mean that all 95% of those are perfectly happy and whatever? Right. No, of course not, right? Sure. There's that caveat. But, um, you know, I think that the, the culture and the attitudes and the law and all of these different dynamics all play a massive role. I mean, if you were to go back to the USA a hundred years ago, um, I believe that the divorce rate was also under 5%. Yeah. If you went back to the 1920s, um, it, things started to really, really get disrupted in the 1960s and 1970s mm -hmm. due to a range of different reasons from legal changes to contraception yeah. to um, technological changes, just a lot of social shifts, shifts in the media, all of these things that change people's attitudes and ultimately incentives yes. as well. And so I personally think that that is actually, if not the certainly top three biggest problems in um, the modern Western world, I think that the um, d disintegration of the family unit has very severe consequences. Um, and it's, it's, it's sad. I, it's, it's a shame that um I recognize that I'm I'm very blessed and fortunate to mm -hmm. have what I have with my family. And it it also feels a little bit weird because I'm like, man, that shouldn't be rare. Mm. It should it shouldn't it shouldn't be like a oh, rare sure. thing. It it shouldn't be, right? I understand things are never going to be perfect, yeah. right? And human beings are not perfect and relationships are not perfect right. and so on. Um, but I think at the same time, we used to be doing and could again still be doing significantly better than we are at this moment in time. Yes, yes. And man, we talk a lot on the show about the problems with statism and the encroachment on our lives. I don't think there's any more effective bulwark against the encroachment of the state in your mind, in your body, in your life, in your community than the family unit, basically, right? That when you have tight family units and when they're, they're woven together in strong communities, that's what is resistant to all this top-down nonsense we see in the world. So when that, and I don't think it's any coincidence that that is what is under attack, right? When that no. safety net or the social cohesion or integrity that that provides breaks down, then you're just left with mm. kind of the state, basically. Now, you yeah, and wait, I just 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 yeah. to make one point on that is, I don't think it's the thing is that is also not 
uh, quote unquote, a conspiracy theory. I mean, right. Karl Marx, <laughs> Karl Marx, right, the sort of king, king of communism. Yeah. Um, he very explicitly yes. wanted to break down the family unit. If you look at communistic societies, they were hostile towards the family unit because they recognized that it was a bulwark against yes. absolute statism and totalitarianism. So yeah, those things go hand in hand. Um, yes. In the West, is that was it a communist infiltration? I, I don't know. Maybe there was some elements of that. But um, it's been known for a while that the family is the thing that stands against that. So people who would like to have this complete top-down yes. authoritarian control, they don't want people to be as tight as they're supposed to be. 100%. And it's very to your point, it's very multivariate. Like, who knows what all has contributed to the disintegration of the family like why is it so much more in the west i would also think i think economic pressures have something to do with it the fact that a single income family used to be a possibility in the u.s for the average u.s mm -hmm. household and now that's totally impossible um yeah just given inflation and everything else like obviously that puts a lot of economic pressure on on the nuclear family um but you just for a little reference to the people that may not know this, you grew up in Saudi Arabia. Yeah. So that culture, and correct me where I'm wrong here, because I, I grew up in Tennessee. I don't I know little to nothing about this, but as I understand it, the culture there values large families and values the family above all else, right? I assume the divorce rate's very low in general in that area. Yeah. I, I don't know the statistics in Saudi. Um, it is also, I, I believe it is. You know, it's not as low as it used to be. Yeah. Um, but you know, where I grew up, the community I grew up was um I grew up in a very anomalous bubble. So um I grew up in an expat community where <laughs> okay, Robert, I'm gonna tell you something funny. Hmm. I'm gonna tell you how much of a bubble I grew up in. <laughs> I grew up in such a bubble that it wasn't until I was man. I don't know how old I was, but it wasn't until I was a certain age um, when I learned about, you know, the, <laughs> I'll tell you how I learned this. I learned this from, uh, remember the Maury show and Jerry Springer, and they used to have the, like, who's the father thing. Yes. Yeah, um, of course. <laughs> I did. I didn't, I didn't know that it was possible to have children with someone without being married to them. Wow. Yeah, that's incredible. By, by the way, I, I I don't mean at eighteen years old. By the way, I mean at yeah. like you know maybe nine or ten years old sure. or something. Yeah. Um. But because I'd never even seen it before. Wow. So when I was so when I'm watching this TV show and a woman is there with five guys and they're like, <laughs> "Who's the father?" and I'm like, "Isn't the husband the father?" Like I don't I don't get it because I, I I didn't I I didn't know anybody. That's amazing. I didn't know anybody who didn't have their mom and their dad because every single person, every single family in my community was an intact nuclear family. From all over the world, by the way, right? It's expat community. You got people from all the different Arab countries, from India, Pakistan, United States, Canada, UK, Australia, people from all over the world, but all nuclear uh, families. So that was all I saw, all of my friends, like I know all their parents. So it wasn't until, um, you know, I went to boarding school, like I said, at the age of 11. And then, uh, you know, I was in the UK for seven, uh, for 10 years. And so, you know, once I, I started to see all these different types of family dynamics and so on, but yeah, that's a, that, that's an example of just how sort of, uh, insulated and different and idealist, ideal in a way, 
uh, that community was. So I was like in a bubble. But then, of course, you know, you'd also go out into what I'd call like real Saudi Arabia. If you wanted to go do anything interesting, then, you know, you go into one of the cities or something. If you wanted to go shopping, go to the mall, whatever it is. So you kind of had those two sides. You had that more more Western side of things inside the camp, very international. And then also you had, you know, the real sort of true Saudi Arabia, Arab side of it, Um, which, by the way, is also was also quite different to the what a lot of people in the West envision who have never been to the Middle East. Um, and it's changed even more so. I haven't been back to the country for 15 years now. Mm. Um, I plan I'm gonna go there later this year for sure. Mm. Um, the country has changed a lot. It's liberalized in positive ways, not in mm. the sort of crazy woke progressive way that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> that that word Freedom is understood. Ways. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, in terms of you know they're like, hey, you know what? Maybe we should let women drive. You know what? Maybe yeah. we should uh, desegregate the restaurants. Maybe we should have some music concerts and cinemas mm. and stuff like that. So it's it's interesting. Um, I think this region in general, the Gulf countries, they're on a very positive trajectory. Mm. Um, I'm in Dubai right now. I'm a UAE resident and I've been to Qatar recently. Uh, I, you know, I was in Doha not so long ago. And um, yeah, they're, they're learning. They're learning yeah. and they're adapting and they're making some real, real progress in very positive ways so it's interesting that's exciting to hear because we need some countries going towards freedom because Mm. countries that were founded in freedom like the u.s are going the opposite direction which is very concerning if you are a business owner or manager you should know these three numbers 36,000, 25, and 1. 36,000 is the number of businesses that have upgraded to netsuite by oracle NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, which allows you to streamline accounting, financial management, human resources, and more. NetSuite turns 25 years old this year. That's 25 years of helping businesses do more with less, close their books in days rather than weeks, and to drive down cost. And finally, one, because your business is one of a kind. So with NetSuite, you get a customized solution for all your key performance indicators in one efficient system with one source of truth. NetSuite is everything you need all in one place. Right now, you can download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash whatismoney. That's netsuite.com slash whatismoney to get your free KPI checklist. Again, netsuite.com slash whatismoney. Now I'd like to tell you about our sponsor, iCoin Technologies. iCoin has released a free software update for all existing wallet holders that includes a secure messaging feature called Chamber. With the Chamber upgrade, you can send text messages with all the security benefits of a cold device. With wallet-to-wallet encrypted messaging, there is zero chance of a message being decrypted by a snooping third party. Chamber's encrypted messages can only be created and read on an iCoin wallet, which means messages are never seen in plain text on a hot device. You can use any messaging platform to send chamber encrypted messages. Even if the messaging channel is compromised, your messages will remain uncrackable. You can now generate and store your message encryption keys on a cold device. This means you become the central authority and your encryption keys are never seen on a network connected device or kept in cloud storage by a third party. So why not protect your private communications like you protect your Bitcoin private keys? Pick up a few iCoin chambers today for friends, family, and coworkers. With the iCoin Chamber, your privacy is built right in. Go to iCoinTechnology.com today and use promo code BITCOIN23 for 30% off of this new sleek hardware wallet. Again, you are a very fortunate guy to have that influence in your life growing up. I don't come from that. 
Uh, my mother and father separated when I was five. Uh, I did have some good influences in my life, like my aunt and my uncle. They stayed together until death. And awesome. there were some good good influences, but also a lot of not good influences. And then my friends mm -hmm. around me, typical U.S., right? Kind of a mixed bag. Some had successful long-term marriages. Some did not. Um, again, I don't know the numbers either. It's uh, Through my Western view, it seems like it's gotten worse in the U.S. over the past 20 years. Like there's more broken families, less nuclear families than not. What yeah, it, advice, yeah, like the people that don't, they don't have the fortunate situation that you came up in, the fortunate role models and influence. Like what would you try to, what wisdom would you try to impart on them about the importance of family, maturity, masculinity, traditional values, et cetera. Um, cause I think there's a lot of people that are, they're, they're hungry for this message. They didn't get it when yeah. they were young. They didn't get the, the mimetic influence from role models, but they, they're hungry to learn. So like, what would you yeah. offer those people? Yeah, sure thing, uh, man. Let me first frame this by saying that I, I don't feel like I'm totally qualified to speak on this yet because uh, I, <laughs> sure. I, I I will be married and I will yeah. be a father, but um, yeah. I haven't taken those giant steps yet. Mm -hmm. um, and so I don't want to sort of come across like I'm uh, speaking from things I myself haven't experienced directly. But at the same time, you know, I, I've been, I've been a child. I'm a member of a family. I'm an uncle times 10. And I've seen a lot of these dynamics. I think maybe the best way for me to answer this would be to, I think it's important for people to realize that if, if an institution or a way of doing things has existed for thousands of years across the world, across different cultures and religions and tribes and ethnic groups and all different types of people, and, you know, another caveat, and it's not like something that's obviously wrong to the modernized like slavery, mm -hmm. um, then there's probably a good reason why it exists. Mm -hmm. And there's probably a good reason why societies formed along those lines and decided to continue and propagate in that ways. Mm -hmm. If you're someone who is data driven, you can pull up data and statistics and you can simply see how much better on average children who are raised in a stable two-parent household do compared to those who are not whether you're looking at uh, criminality and incarceration rates you're looking mm -hmm. at risk of poverty academic achievement likelihood to become homelessness like to become homeless even mm -hmm. obesity um, mental health uh, risk of getting involved in serious alcohol mm -hmm. drug abuse all those kind of things um the numbers are very, very clear. Does this mean that it's all this way or all that way? No, of course not, right? No. Um, but the numbers, the numbers speak for themselves, and I think just from a commonsensical perspective, because I think, you know, I think Robert, one, one issue that we have maybe in the modern West is that people. <laughs> I use this. I use this term. Uh, speaking to someone earlier today. C.S. Lewis, the author, has a term called chronological snobbery, hmm. which is this idea of people who in any modern era think that they're so much better hmm. and smarter and wiser and more moral than all of their predecessors. Mm -hmm. Right. So they so there's this thing, you know, when you see people who are like, ah, oh, like, you know, marriage is outdated. 
or mm-hmm. uh, why do you why do we need that or uh, why why should we even have children right there's too many people in the world like mm-hmm. why should we have children you, you you see these kind of arguments on the internet and other places every single day and i think it's important to sort of take a humble approach and be like hmm as i, as I said right I, I flirted with this brief idea oh maybe mm-hmm. i'll just be a bachelor forever and then you think like hang on my dad didn't do that my granddad didn't do that my great granddad didn't do that. Like, mm-hmm, like no, mm-hmm. no, nobody above me in my family tree mm-hmm. made that decision. Am I so much smarter and so much mm-hmm. wiser and so much cleverer that like I can just take this institute that we as a whole, as 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 a, we can all just take this idea that's existed and brought us to where we are now and mm-hmm. just kind of throw it in the trash mm-hmm. and expect mm-hmm. that we're somehow going to be better off. Um, and I think the the honest and obvious answer is uh, no, like prob- probably not. There's probably good reasons why people did that. I mean, you don't think people experimented in the past. You don't think they tried all sorts of right. different ways of organizing society and men and women mating or and coupling up or not. I mean, we've had polygamous societies. You had guys who had uh, one man who has a hundred wives. Yeah. Um, you've tried all sorts of different things. And it's like, well, this is the thing that seems to have worked and have been sustainable because the places that were practicing all that stuff uh there aren't too many of those societies around these days but you know what there is there's lots of these monogamous societies which maybe they have their slightly different ways of doing marriage and doing ceremonies and whatever Mm -hmm. but it's the same simple idea man wife nuclear family raise the kids in this structure and it all works and it kind of flows through generations so that that's one aspect of answering the question um I would say that that's that wisdom applies yeah. so much more generally too that it's like this yeah. is a whole thing where what's sort of what does peterson say clean up your room before you criticize the world mm. it's like just because you think in your limited life and experience that well, you don't need marriage for instance and i i was this guy again 10 yeah. 15 years ago i was like oh marriage is an outdated antiquated agricultural age institution people used to have to get married to have you know manage the kids on the farm and all this stuff like we don't need that in the digital age but mm. that's very hubristic you know that's like if humans have been doing this as you said for this this unbroken chain back to the dim mist of history like you should question yourself first if like if your yeah. views disagree <laughs> with their views you should assume you're wrong basically and figure out why not the inverse but something yeah. about for me at least and maybe i don't know if other people like this it seems like maturity it was like the deeper onset of humility in a lot of ways. Like I used to mm. think I knew a lot more when I was young. And then as you get older and you experience more things and you bump up against the world, you're like, oh, wow, I know less and less and less and less and less. And you start to respect yeah. your predecessors more and more and more. Yeah, for sure. And I think something that adds to the trickiness is, um, you know, I think the um, concept that we have in the modern day of um, adolescence is kind of new. If, if you think for most of human history, adolescence maybe was like two to three years. Mm-hmm. Now you can have adolescence kind of up until your 30s, right? You can cut your 40s, 50s. <laughs> yeah, guys, you, you can stay, you can stay yeah. in this state where like you don't really, society doesn't force you to grow up in yes. the way that it used to, right? It used to be the case that by age 18 or certainly 20, like most women were ready to be wives and mothers. Yeah. Um, and by the age of, let's say, 24 or 25, most men were ready to be husbands and fathers, right? By by all the different markers. And 
that's been pushed out for lots of different reasons, including uh, higher education, the economy, overall culture, you know, the sort of mimetic patterns of people just doing yeah. what other people around them are doing. Um, so that's been that's been pushed back. So I think that's something that's relatively new. Maybe also the fact that we have much longer life expectancy. Sure. So before it was like, hey, you're 20, like yeah, get, 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 get moving. <laughs> yeah, right. Like get get moving, right? You only got 25 years left, maybe. Yeah. So um yeah, so all those things are are different. There's another point I was gonna make, and I'm trying to oh it, it, another thing I think is um interesting is you know, we've been talking about kind of like looking back at the past and looking at history. I think another thing you can do is um, look towards people who are older than us, mm -hmm. right? So regardless of their situation, regardless of their life experiences, you know, hang out with some people who are in their 60s, their 70s, their 80s. And, um, you know, first of all, like, see, see who's happy. Mm -hmm. See, see, find the find the 80 year old mm -hmm. who's lived a life that, um, you know, who, who seems content and happy with their life and has lived with meaning and purpose and they're not angry and bitter, right? Find the 80 year, 80 year old who's, who's joyful and talk, speak to them, right? Find out mm -hmm. what, what, what is it that gives you life? What is it that keeps you happy? What is it that you're proud of? Um, and then also talk, talk, talk to the bitter ones as well, right? Yeah. <laughs> talk, talk to them and find out, okay. Cause I mean, you can make all the same mistakes if you want to, but that's kind of silly. I think it's really, really important to just learn from, I just learn from everybody, man. That's something I really do. I love yeah. the fact that I'm able to talk to so many people across the board because I learn something from everybody. As, as you said before, you learn from some people or in some aspects, okay, maybe that's something I, something I shouldn't do. Mm -hmm. um, and then other people you're like, you know what, that's something that I would like to, that's something I would like to emulate. Yes. Um, and I think that when you do that, and again, you can look at data, you can look at statistics, or you can just do it yourself and talk to people. I've noticed a strong pattern as in people who are particularly, let's say, over the age of 50 or so, um, the ones who seem to be like truly, for the most part, genuinely happy and joyful and have meaning and purpose and energy, um, they get a lot of that from their families. They get mm -hmm. it from their children and that because because it's automatic meaning and purpose right like i yes. said I'm, I'm not a i'm not a father yet but I, i've seen this i have four older siblings so i've seen them prior to being parents and i've yes. seen them in being parents and obviously there's something probably just genetically coded in us yes. that once we have a son or a daughter it's like well i mean someone wants meaning and purpose boom yes like there there you go there's your meaning and purpose for the next, uh, it's not even, some people are like for the next 18 years. I'm like, it's not, no, it's, it's forever. Permanent. Yeah. Right. It's, it's, it's permanent, man. Yeah. I was talking to, um, I think I've told this story on a podcast before, but I was in the UK one time and I was talking to this old man, um, at a train station and we, I, he, he, like he came and he, I don't know, I think I have a friendly face. So sometimes I, I'm one of those people who strangers often just like talk to, and I'm fine. <laughs> I like talking to strangers. Um, and he was telling me about his family and he said, uh, I just remember the sentence. He said, I have a 60 year old and it just made me laugh. Wow. But he's talking about wow. his kids. Right. But yeah. the way he said it, it's like, it's, yeah. you know, the way people say, oh yeah, I've got a 16 yeah. year old. I've got a six year old. <laughs> he was like, yeah, I've got a 60 year old, a 57 year old. <laughs> and I was like, it, it just made me laugh. Cause I was like, man, parenting never stops. Yeah. You know? No, parenting no, never stops. Like once someone is a parent, then, then that's it. And, um, yeah. So I guess those, those are my thoughts on 
those are those are my that was, thoughts that was on my, that one. That was my feeling too. Actually, like when you hear this, I think from everyone, right? When like, oh, you can never put it into words what it's like to be a parent. Yeah, and it oh, here we go. Like all we can do is try, and like that was my experience. It's like I don't know what else to say other than nature flipped a switch inside me. It's like there's some yeah. we're hardwired, we're coded for this, right? Like once you have you're looking in the eyes of your progeny. I, I don't know, man. All of a sudden you're mm. like, wait, it's not. There's there's someone, I forget who said this. They define love as the moment you realize something other than yourself is real. So like the arrow of relevance in your youth is like, you know, what? how is this relevant to me? How is this relevant to me? Me, me, me. Yeah. And then all of a sudden very significantly i mean probably less so for people like you that grew up in this environment right like you already were living beyond yourself more so but me growing up in a very individualistic culture not having as many of those influences around me i was probably more of that arrow of relevance pointing at myself but then once you have your child the thing reverses you know and i i really think that's the only place you can really get deep meaning and purpose in life is really living life beyond yourself doesn't have to be kids necessarily by the way could be mm -hmm. like i've found i'm sure you've done the same when people approach me about anything that i've done they've gotten value out of it you know like thank you this helped me figure this out or change my life in this way like that's amazing like i'm sure your creative work the people enjoy your music like thank you for creating what you do like that gives you a yeah. deep sense of fulfillment because it's not about you right it's not that you were sitting at home alone and <laughs> jamming to your own stuff it's like when other people feel it and it changes their yes. life and it has an effect like that's when you get that deep feeling and yeah. so i think kids are just the ultimate instance of that right you're like it's the ultimate case of life beyond yourself like you've actually mm. you're giving all of your life to the next generation and it, i don't think there's anything more meaningful yeah that that sounds right to me man and um, i'm excited about the prospect of uh of experiencing that for myself hopefully many many times um I, I, you raised an interesting point there about um you know about living for things beyond yourself and i think that i can't speak for women because i've never been a woman and i never will be uh despite how i've identified in the past and uh, <laughs> even with the know, world record I think, even even with the record man <laughs> um you know i i know i know certainly as a man um and i'm sure this will speak to you i think every man knows this deep down even if they've never thought about it but you want to be useful you want to be useful yes. to other people. Yes. No, nothing gives a man the feeling of purpose and meaning like being useful to and respected by others in whatever arena or yes. various arenas you are in. I think that's just how we are hardwired. I've said before um, that I believe men are always building or destroying. Yes. Yeah. Right? If yeah. <laughs> Men are always building. I don't, I don't really think that there's a neutral themselves I, I or others that, right if they're exactly. not building themselves they'll destroy themselves yes. yes exactly and you see this manifest in all sorts of different ways mm -hmm. right what is the biggest killer of men in the uk themselves mm -hmm. right who does most of the homicides and killings and mm -hmm. horrible mass shootings and these things it's primarily young men right so that's like the most extreme version of it but you also see less less extreme versions of it mm -hmm. when i when i see these um accounts on the internet that dedicate I don't know how many hours per day and per week to just hating on other mm -hmm. people, just just trying to tear down, trolling mm -hmm. nonstop, just attacking strangers, insulting, insulting, trying to tear down other people. And I'm just like, I know, I don't know who is behind that 
screen and that keyboard. Mm. But I'm like, I know your life is not in order, right? Yes. I know you are not happy. I know you are not working on a constructive project right. that is adding value to other people's lives because you wouldn't be doing this. I mean, how many hours have you spent on YouTube going around and downvoting videos and leaving nasty comments yeah. and negative? It's like nobody who's happy and who's on any type of path of success is behaving like that. So I encourage young men in particular to take that take that energy and just channel it into different projects. That's why we're both really into health and fitness. Yeah. And it's one of the reasons why I like encourage guys to man, get in the gym, lift weights, like get yes. yourself in shape because yes. it's a, it's a project. It's a project. And when you're expending that energy, it, it has an impact on all these other areas of your life. You're channeling that aggression into something that is constructive rather than yeah. destructive. Yes. Um, so yeah, you're going to feel less anxious. Of course, you're going to feel less depressed. You're going to have more yes. energy. You're going to feel happier. Um, you're going to be more attractive. You're going to get yes. more self-confidence, all of these things. And you can start there and then you can, hey, you know, build a business or build a career, Yes. Work, build a family, help, mentor, tutor, teach other people. This, this can take all different forms. I've got my way of doing it. You've got your way of doing it. Yeah. But I think that a lot of our self-esteem, if we really think about it, is based on the idea is based on the knowledge that we are helping people yes. in various ways, right? You're you're leading people in a positive direction. Right. You're helping them to think better and to improve their financial situation or improve their physical health or improve their relationships or whatever it might be, right? We're we're all experts in different in different areas. Um but yeah, I think I think as a man that's incredibly important and I think maybe part of the sort of lack of purpose and meaning that a lot of young men have right now is because yes that hasn't really been drilled yes drilled into them the, so they're kind of just sitting around and <laughs> you're so right about this and it, like okay i'm i guess jumping to the conclusion right you need to find meaning you need to live life beyond yourself but to really live life effectively beyond yourself you need to be or feel useful to others as you said well, yeah. what's the prerequisite to that? It's like becoming useful, right? Like actually training yourself, setting goals. Whether this is in the gym, this is professionally, like just developing this habit of constant, continuous self-improvement. And then you build all this energy, right? This confidence, this competence, this character, and then you can point that at other things. Mm -hmm. And for me, like, I, you know, I didn't know this, obviously. This, I think sports are just indispensable for kids, especially yeah. young men, right? Like they need yes. some disciplinary framework they need to point all that energy into something. And I obviously didn't know that when I was young, but I was fortunate to have a stepfather that really pushed me hard in sport. And that laid the groundwork for all of this goal setting and visualization, you know, like these things carry over to every domain of life. Yes. Um, and you're not going to learn that just sitting in the desk in the classroom. Like you need to get out there, move the body, you know, subject yourself to physical discipline. And I, the the freedom, this is where freedom comes in too, because it's sort of par it's paradoxical. You would think like, what do you mean? You're submitting yourself to a disciplinary framework or your own self-discipline. That sounds contra freedom, right? That's like the opposite of doing whatever you want. But the, 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 the long run consequences of that is that it actually maximizes your freedom and your options and your competence in the world. Um, and so there's maybe young men like to absorb that lesson. Like it's, Self-discipline is a path is the pathway to actual freedom. It's not yes. just this do whatever you want thing. That's going to get you to this aimless state. 
if you, especially if you're just doing it for yourself, right? The arrow of relevance is pointed just at yourself, not at others. You're going to feel aimless. You're going to feel empty. And mm -hmm. it doesn't matter what level of success you achieve financially with women or whatever else. If you're not doing something that's contributing to others and you're seeing value realized in their lives through your efforts, I promise you, you're going to feel empty. I don't care if you're a billionaire. And, um, yeah, yeah you're, 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 you're totally right, man. And do you know what I think is sort of, is sort of funny about these type of conversations and even some of the things that we're saying is, um, humans have, we, we worked this out thousands of years ago. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's the thing that, yeah. <laughs> that's the thing that I, I find interesting. You know, um, I'm, I'm reading the Bible again right now from mm. front, front to back, like all the way through. And, um, what what sometimes i'm reading it and certain things just sort of make me chuckle or smile mm. because i'm like this was written thousands of years ago yeah and there's certain stories or things that are said or certain proverbs and quotes and it sounds like it's from 2024 yeah and i'm just like man people have been doing the same nonsense forever yes <laughs> and so having true. the same and having the same sort of like realizations of like hmm actually this isn't really the this isn't really the best way to live. So, you know, in the Bible, it doesn't have, you know, quote unquote, you know, discipline equals freedom, but right. it certainly will have some type of variation of it, right? Because mm -hmm. people were going crazy, right? Back in the, you know, those days with whether yeah. it was the the Romans or some of their pre-Christian societies and they're, they're going wild. They're just worshiping all sorts of idols and they're having orgies and they're doing yes. incest and like they're just, they're just going wild, right? Like yes. they're just quote unquote, super free, right? Like yes. libertinism. Um, and then it's like, no, you need structure, you yes. need guidelines. This is the way to do things. And I guess we just kind of go in these cycles of humanity where we sort of forget, forget. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we, we, yeah. we sort of forget some of those lessons and have to relearn them sometimes the hard way. And then it's like, oh, actually, no, this is the, this is the right way of doing it. And I guess yes. it, it seems a little counterintuitive because fr freedom is a funny word. I know you talk a lot about freedom mm, and yes. it's, um, yeah, it's 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 a funny word because I think that the most juvenile and immature interpretation of freedom is I can do whatever I want because I can't. Yes, one hundred percent. Right, like that. That's kind of like the most simple of just yes. yeah, just do whatever you want. And I don't think that's you could define that as freedom. Um, but it's a very narrow view. Or for example, when um. I see this a lot in the sort of socio-political world, especially amongst some of my American friends, where they think that freedom and safety are opposite ends of the scale. Mm, right. And they're not. Um, I've actually been thinking about this quite a lot over the years, especially as I've traveled to all these different cities and countries. And um, Dubai is a very interesting place because mm -hmm. Dubai is one of the safest cities in the world. Um, and so if you see freedom and safety just on this scale of like, okay, if I want more freedom, we must have less safety. Mm. Or if I want safety, there must be less freedom. It's like there are there are towns and cities and actual whole countries. I think Japan is like this as well, where um you find out, okay, no, that that's not it's not it's not that simple. You can have somewhere with high freedom and high safety. I'd say I'd imagine that much of a rural America is very high in freedom Definitely. and very high in safety. Yes. Right. Um so it's a false dichotomy. It's like the trade-off mm -hmm. is not that simple. Maybe if you're talking about um, very young children, maybe if you've got a three-year-old, then freedom and safety might really be a dichotomy, right? If right. you want to keep them safe, okay, like you got to not let them do a lot of things. Right. But I think that 
when you're talking about adults or you're talking about entire societies, it's it's a lot more complicated than that. And even as an individual, being disciplined and doing things in a certain way, as you've said, you can maximize your take take a okay. Let let let's let's kind of simplify it. Let's take one aspect. Let's talk about let's talk about health. Mm -hmm. Okay, if you are disciplined in your nutrition and your training and your overall lifestyle and the way you treat your body, you will have the freedom to have more energy, do more activities, mm -hmm. spend way less money down the line on hospital right. bills and whatever yeah. nonsense, right? You, you actually, you will have more freedom as a result of the discipline. If you are, take money, finances. Mm -hmm. If your idea to freedom when it comes to money is just spending <laughs> everything that you've got, right? Yeah. <laughs> Blowing everything that you or you earn and saving nothing and whatever, yeah. then you're going to find actually you're more restricted. Yes. You now don't have the ability to, okay, now you can't, now you can't travel. Now you, maybe you can't even, you can't afford a family. You can't do this. You now have less, you now have less freedom because you lack the discipline. So yeah, I, free, freedom is a fascinating concept. I think we, we sometimes get stuck on the most surface level yes. version of it. But I think actually it's way more nuanced and complicated than just, you know, do whatever you want. 100, dude, I could not agree more. I really think it's the most, I don't know, there's a lot of tricky philosophical rabbit holes, but I've found freedom to be one of the most difficult, one of the deepest and most difficult to describe in the Bible. And by the way, once you have kids, it's so amazing. Like I read the Bible to my daughter every night when we fall asleep. Like it's amazing. It. It's, it's again, it makes you a better person, right? You she loves it i love it it's great it talks about in like to be i can't remember where it says this in the bible it talks about being a slave to christ mm -hmm. like it's almost a paradox right it's like what is what is the, what does that mean like and it also says christ gave us freedom so that we may be free this mm -hmm. idea of imitating christ and being like christ really opens up the freedom of the human race in a way like if you love one another treat each other as family basically and love god above all else you know don't steal don't kill do not bear false witness if we actually do these things in the world then we get more actual productivity we get more wealth per capita like we all become richer more prosperous longer lives etc um and so that whole notion of freedom that's not pure self-direction that's not everyone doing whatever they want that's people abiding by principles that work right whether it's private property, whether it's marriage, whether it's just the moral intuition of like, you know, don't hurt one another. Um, that somehow is, this is the paradox. Like when you adhere to this universal rule set, which is by definition limiting, right? Mm -hmm. Private property, for instance, right? You, whatever you earn, you keep, whatever I earn, I keep. If we both abide by that, then we get collectively more freedom you're trading this like short run gain where like, Oh, I could just take your sandwich if I'm hungry typically. <laughs> but if I don't yeah, yeah. take your sandwich and you don't take my sandwich, then all of a sudden the world has more sandwiches. Mm -hmm. So there's this huge long run gain at this short run expense. So it's, it's really, is an active investment, right? What you were just describing. Like if I yeah. wake up and go to the gym and eat right and do all these things I don't want to do for years, well, in the long run, I'm going to have more health, less medical bills, you know, more time with my family, all whatever. Like you have just more options, basically. Yeah. And so that whole framing of freedom is so damn important. And then to go back to something you said way earlier, like we're oh, 
obviously we're all mimetic, we're imitating one another, but I don't think that damns people to be like just a product of their environment where they say, oh, well, my mom was an alcoholic, so I'm an alcoholic. Because I think you can also be, you can either choose, this is where the, the choice comes in, you can be mimetic or anti-mimetic, right? If you grew up with an alcoholic mother or father, you can learn from that. Be like, oh, this is what I don't want to be. Let, let me use them as an anti-role model in this respect. And let me imitate these other qualities or habits of people that I that I do want to embody. So you're you're in the driver's seat. And you don't need to just, you know, if you grew up and people you didn't have a lot of marriages around you or people didn't respect private property, that doesn't mean you have to grow up that way. You can make the choice and move towards freedom rather than away from freedom. Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, there was one point I was gonna make. Um I just remembered when you were you were talking about um, you know, just kind of some of the advice for for young people out there. I think another important thing to to say, and it it ties a lot of this stuff together, is that if you do these things and you you behave in this way and you are valuable to other people and to your community and you treat other people well and so on, you're also gonna just enjoy life way more. Yes. You're gonna enjoy life a lot more, and people are gonna wanna be around you. Mm-hmm. Another thing I see a lot about, um, a, a thing I'm seeing a lot of these days on social media, um, from both young men and young women alike, but particularly young women, sorry, particularly young men, is just like all these posts and tweets and videos as, as if it's like impossible to attract decent people into your life, whether that's uh-huh. a potential husband or wife or boyfriend or girlfriend or even just friends. Uh-huh. And... Look, I understand for some people, certain things are going to be more difficult for other than for others. For some people, we, we all have our advantages and disadvantages. But if you are genuinely a positive, friendly, kind, polite, useful, valuable person, you are going to attract all sorts yes. of great people into your life. Birds of a flat feather tru- truly do mm-hmm. flock together. One of the coolest things about social media is like, you know, we, we, we've met a couple times in person now, mm-hmm. but like everybody who I, it, it, it's almost like everybody I've met from social media has been awesome mm-hmm. because we, I already mm-hmm. know, okay, we, we, we already kind of know each other in a way because yes. day to day you're seeing what the other person is posting and you're following and whatever. So you can already see what people's mindsets are. Yes. And what I've found so fascinating about the last five years in particular of my life is just by, I've kind of become almost like a magnet, yes. right? Just by doing, by doing what I do, the, I, I myself, I'm amazed by the, the people and the caliber of human beings all across the world that I've been able to attract mm-hmm. essentially, mm-hmm. um, you know, about this time last year, Elon Musk started following me. I didn't, mm-hmm. I didn't ask him to follow me. I didn't go out of my way to be like, hey, I want to connect with Elon Musk. And I was just like, I'm just going to keep doing what I do. And oh, wow, look, oh, Joe Rogan is connected to me. Oh, now Jordan Peterson's connected me. Mm-hmm. Oh, look, now Robert Breedlove. Look, this person, mm-hmm. this person, all over the world. And I think that is just, that's truly incredible, yes. right? You can just be there and you can just put out a signal in the real world and online and you just turn up day to day, you offer your insights. Again, you treat people kindly and with politely and with dignity. You mm-hmm. don't spend all your time attacking people and trolling people and insulting people and whatever. And lo and behold, 
hey, now this girl likes me. And now, oh, this person wants to work with me. Mm -hmm. And oh, look, this person wants to come on my podcast or look, oh, potential business deal. Oh, this is being drawn to me. And so that's really the way that it works. For So for, for the people who are there who are just kind of feeling like frustrated or angry at the world or whatever, that attitude in itself is um it's repulsive to people. Yes. It repels people. No, no one wants to be around the person, guy or girl, who's just being nasty all the time, who's hostile, who's mistreating people, who's just complaining about every little thing all the time. And um, yeah, I think I think that that kind of gets forgotten by people sometimes, as, as obvious I, as I think it should be. I think people forget that people like to be around people who are pleasant yes. to be around. So that's a great start. It doesn't it doesn't cost anything to be polite and kind to people. It's um, so true. But it's, it can it can pay very big dividends. Pay all I mean it's everything almost. It's you want yeah, you want people to want to be around you because that is the source of all opportunity essentially in the world. The mm -hmm. what's the old saying that your vibe attracts your tribe. Um so if you want to actually be with a certain type or caliber of person whether this is in friendship romantically professionally it's like you need to actually don't try to go pursue that it's not like where yeah. is that person at it's like actually focus on becoming that and then they will come into your life i love on this topic just i love hanging out with bitcoiners by the way because like it's mm -hmm. they just there's no you automatically know as you said <laughs> you have common values there's no small talk right like you you don't need to sit there and like feel out what their worldview is just, you know that you're aligned on so many deep things that you just start talking about all this very interesting stuff and they're very smart people and they've got a lot of cool things to say. Yeah. I do want to ask you something about this though because I actually struggle in this department. I'm naturally a very low enthusiasm person. I'm not overly <laughs> excitable and people are always like, are you okay? Are you mad? Like you look mean. Um, And I found too, I don't know, gaining this knowledge that we have which is looking through, let's say, the veils of a lot of the bullshit that's put in front of us, right? Like mainstream media narratives, wokeism, whatever whatever the, the, the narrative that's being served to us, we tend to look through it. Yes. And when you look through it, you see some darkness, right? It's like, mm -hmm. oh, this is, it's an attempt at either brainwashing people that are susceptible to brainwashing or it's an attack on human rationality itself. You start looking into human history. Human history is a pretty dark thing. I find myself, like, especially if I'm writing, I, I wrote this one essay on totalitarianism one time. It took me like two months. By the end of that essay, I was, my soul was like hurting. I was like, ow, yeah. like this, I don't feel good. How, I'm asking this selfishly, basically, like, how, what can we do? I want to maintain that high level of vibe. I'm trying to be optimistic. Mm -hmm. I'm training myself all the time. I meditate. I, like, I'm trying to be the best version of myself. But there are times where I feel my attitude drifting into that pessimistic. I get pessimistic on, on humanity sometimes. And I don't like to even say that. You know, I'm like, if I look yeah. at the long arch, we're, we've come a long way. We're doing great. But when you get sucked into the short run, you're like, oh, man, we're going the wrong direction. So like, how yeah. do you maintain the, the high vibe with the mm. knowledge without having like ignorance is bliss to be your high vibe? That's a fantastic question, man. Because I'll, I'll tell you when the most extreme of that was, was that whole 2020 to 2022 yeah. Same. period with the lockdowns and the mandates and the craziness and just the division in humanity. Um, that was a very dark 
that was a very dark time. Um, I think people like to pretend it didn't happen and people didn't say and do the things they said and did. But, um, you know, we remember. And so and I was very much in the thick of that from the beginning of 2020. Um, I, I think for me, something that particularly does help is is my faith. You know, my, 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 my faith in God, my faith in Jesus, knowing, mm. knowing how the story ends <laughs> yeah. and knowing, look, ultimately good triumphs over evil. Um, and I think it also helps to remember that, um, in the grand, again, you, you, you know, in the grand scheme of things, we're, we're, we're still so blessed. Um, I, I would not have wanted to live through the 19, 30s and 40s and world war one and world war two and humanity has been through some extraordinarily dark times much darker than what is going on now right you you had nazism and all flavors of communism and fascism all at the same freaking time Mm -hmm. right like like Mm -hmm. it it was gnarly like the mid-1900s were very gnarly there have been horrible genocides there was thousands of years of slavery racial segregation like just all sorts of brutality and war you know, if we had existed in certain times in certain places, there's a near hundred percent chance that we would have just like been marched off to go die in some mm. random war mm. or whatever, or you know, all of our loved ones would get sick with random diseases and there's no antibiotics. And yeah. so when I think of it in that way, I'm like, man, <laughs> I, I I don't have a lot to complain about because yeah, for sure, like it's it's really okay. Now, when it comes to other people because I think that's one thing that can certainly be blackpilling. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, surrounding yourself with people who share your values and who you get on with and so on. But I also find it helps to... Um, a, a thought that I actually find quite not not comforting, but honest and useful is recognizing that I can't save everybody and it's not my job to. Mm. Mm-hmm. Right. Like you, you, you can't save everyone. I, I think people who have a certain disposition, we kind of want, we kind of want to save everybody. Right. You could take, yeah. you could take Bitcoin, right? Like you, you, you want like everybody yeah. to, <laughs> yeah. you, you, you want everybody to get it. You want everyone yeah. to like for it to just click and you're, you're hearing these stupid arguments and you're seeing people yeah. just say, and you're just like, what, what are you guys even talking about? You know what I mean? Like, why are you trying to be you're you're defending the slave system and you're fighting yes. against the one that could free you, right? The, we saw the same thing during that whole uh, COVID era. Yes, the just, victim like, defending the victimizer. Right? Yeah, people like clinging onto their masks and screaming at people yes. for not having them <laughs> and like taking all of that. And you're just like, what are you guys, what are you yeah. doing? Like, I'm coming from a, a good place of wanting you to not be swept up into all of this. Um, but I think, you know, you, you do what you can mm-hmm. and you... Um, I, I once had a tweet going viral. I said, uh, I think I said, the job of a lion is to waken the other sleeping lions, not mm. the sheep. Mm. Mm. So I think there's a percentage of people who you can wake up, right? Mm-hmm. You give them a rational argument, you explain mm-hmm. something to them or whatever, and they they change their mind. Yeah. Um, or they're at least open to it. And then I do think there are just some people who it's just like, you know what, like, I've I've tried. I can't help someone. You see this in all sorts of things. There are people who are addicted to drugs or they're addicted to mm-hmm. alcohol or they're addicted to food or whatever other negative mm-hmm. habit. And they genuinely want help and they recognize they have a problem and you can help them. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Someone who really wants someone who's a hundred pounds overweight and they genuinely want to lose weight. I can help that person. Mm-hmm. 
the person who is a hundred pounds overweight and they're totally in denial about it, or they're wanting to blame everybody but themselves yeah. or whatever. I'm like, man, until, until that shifts for you, yes. I, I can't, I can't really help you. Cause I, I could give you all of these ideas. I could, I could, I could literally tell you what to eat day to day, yeah. but if you don't do it and if you don't train, then I can't do much. So I, I yeah. think it's, I think it's good to just, you know, do, do what you can and help the thousands, millions of people that you can. And then, you know, put your hands up and be like, man, right. like I've, right. I've done my best, you know, <laughs> like right. I've done my best. Um, I cannot red pill the entire world or orange pill the entire world or get everyone sort of over to this side. Um, and that's just the, that's just the reality of it. But I think if we can like live our lives and die and be like, you know what, like, man, I, I, I did my, I did my part. I, I played my role. I did what I could then. I think that's extremely noble. It's such a fantastic answer, actually, because you're being humble, right? It's like, I can't save everyone. I'm just going to do what I can. And that's exactly why good triumphs over evil, which is your point. Like in the longer run, good is wise and humble, right? Like the, yeah. uh, my favorite definition of evil, I think it comes from Paradise Lost. Evil is the force that believes its knowledge is complete. So it's totalizing knowledge, like the totalitarian impulse is literally that. It's like, oh, I know this is the plan. Everyone follow this and we'll be fine. But reality is not containable within just knowledge. So there's always this element of humility. Wisdom, right, is 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 bound up with this humility that we need to constantly adapt to the world, change the plan, you know, tweak our course. There is no final answer. No, there's no final central plan that we all must follow. That is almost by definition evil. And so when you, your answer is like, you're, you're, you're enacting the goodness that is what triumphs over evil in a way, the way you say that is you're coming from a humble position, basically. Yeah. One of my highest health priorities is keeping my brain in top shape. To take care of my brain power, I do many things such as striving to read, write, exercise, and meditate daily. One of the latest tools in my brain power toolkit is MindLab Pro. MindLab Pro is a nootropic supplement that is scientifically proven to enhance your brain power. When I take MindLab Pro, my mind feels like it has a better grip on the world, my thinking is more lucid, and the articulation of my speech is much more clear. MindLab Pro has been tested in rigorous, double-blind, placebo-controlled human trials and has been proven to enhance brain power for users in every age group. MindLab Pro is an advanced formulation of 11 nootropic ingredients and is backed by research from 1,473 human trials conducted over a period of 32 years. So if you're looking to start enhancing your brain power, MindLab Pro is an excellent solution. Go to mindlabpro.com breedlove to start enhancing your brain power today. Again, that's mindlabpro.com slash breedlove. Now I'd like to tell you about our sponsor, CrowdHealth. CrowdHealth is a crowdfunding platform for paying medical expenses in lieu of an insurance policy. CrowdHealth recently announced that it is integrating lightning payments with Breeze's Lightning SDK. In the United States, we spend more than twice the average amount of money on healthcare than other developed nations. Medical costs are one of the leading causes of bankruptcy in the United States. 
And it is not a secret that the medical system in the U.S. has many, many issues. The CrowdHealth model is based on offering an alternative to the conventional insurance policy at a cheaper price point. For a monthly membership fee of $50, CrowdHealth will negotiate medical bills to get the cheapest price possible, help locate healthcare providers, offer access to their member crowdfunding service, and more. Prior to the Breeze integration, CrowdHealth had been functioning over traditional fiat payment rails, which introduced unnecessary transaction fees and delays in settlement. By integrating Lightning payments into the CrowdHealth business model, payments between members can now be made with near zero fees and with final settlement occurring in mere seconds. So go to joincrowdhealth.com breedlove today to sign up. Now I want to talk, so Socrates said that the beginning of wisdom is the definition of terms. And the Bible says something like the fear of the Lord is the beginning of understanding. And if you look at the, the the where that word comes from in ancient Greek, the word fear could also mean like reverence or awe. And Lord or God, like obviously an undefinable word, you could almost say that is a word for that which is beyond words. So mm -hmm. you have Socrates and the Bible saying that there's something about wisdom that is beyond words. It's like in human action rather than something that's explicitly definable in some code right it's it's more like rules of thumb and heuristics rather than you know do this specific thing so wokeism <laughs> seems to be an attack on definitions if nothing else and if the beginning of wisdom is the definition of terms is wokeism a state possibly a state-sponsored attack on wisdom or rationality itself. And where are we? And I think you said earlier that you think we might be past peak woke, which is definitely encouraging mm -hmm. news. And we only have a little, I mean, take as long as you want. I don't want to keep you longer. We said an hour, but I know it's a huge question. Take it as far yeah. as, as short as you would like. What is wokeism and where are we on this woke curve in human history. Wow. I would say that wokeism is, I, th I think my definition on it has changed very slightly. I think it's a basket of ideologies, but I'd also add that I think it's also a basket of behaviors. Mm. I, I, I used to, I used to limit it just to ideology, but I think that there are also certain behaviors that are typical of wokeness. Um, I think it's a the, the the basket of ideologies includes various types of critical theory, so mm -hmm. critical race theory, critical gender theory, um, trans ideology, anti capitalism slash Marxism, um, sometimes outright communism, but certainly collectivism, mm -hmm. identity politics as a massive factor grouping people, particularly along the lines of race, gender, and sexuality. Those three mm -hmm. in particular. Um, it, it's almost like a left-wing version of many of the things historically associated with the extreme right. Mm -hmm. Of course. Right? Inversion, yeah. Course. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like this strange inversion. Um, and, and then I think there's also the behaviors that come along with pushing the ideology, which include, um, being big on, you know, false accusations um, labeling people who you deem your opponents, um, being willing to use or condone 
violence, if you think that mm. it's at the ends of your ideology and your political aspirations. Um, yeah, it's a, uh, it, it's, it's weaponized compassion. Mm. Maybe that's a good way yeah. to put it. Yeah. it yeah. It's because the people who tend to fall for woke ideology tend to be people who are relatively high in the personality trait of compassion, mm -hmm. because all of these things are not framed in. I think the reason why it's caught on so well is because, okay, let, let's say you take far right ideology. I think there's a reason why Nazism is dead and pretty much has been dead. Whereas you've still got large percentages of young people identifying as communists and socialists. Uh -huh. And you can, you can, you can go to university and you could wave a hammer and sickle or wear a hammer and sickle t-shirt. Right. And people might be a bit like, a little bit weird, but whatever, but you're not going to see someone wearing a freaking swast Nazi swastika right. Right. In, right, regalia, right? People would consider them crazy. Despite the fact communism killed way more people yeah. Yeah. by orders of magnitude than Nazism actually in the grand scheme of things. Yes. Um, and I think for the reason why that is, is because communism and all of the other things in this sort of like far left basket of ideologies, they, they appeal to human compassion, mm. right? Um, notions of equality, or now they say mm -hmm. equity, notions of social justice, Notice um, notions of the downtrodden, whether that is mm -hmm. um, that could be women, it could be gay people, it could be uh, quote unquote people of color. I hate that term. Mm -hmm. um, it could be the poor. It could be whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And then sort of seeing this world, seeing the world as a simple matrix of hierarchy where, you know, at the bottom of the totem pole, you have straight white men who are probably Christian. <laughs> um, and then at the top, you at the top, you've got, you know, I don't know, uh, transgender, lesbian, disabled um, dwarf or something like that, right. right? This person is the most virtuous because they have the most oppression points. And these guys down here, they're the worst and they're the oppressors because, you know, they're holding all the privilege points. Right. And then you, you weaponize against those things. So I think it kind of hijacks people who are very prone to this compassion and maybe who don't think things through entirely. They just like the way it emotionally resonates with them and they like the idea of fighting for a cause right because because mm -hmm. fighting for the drowned downtrodden is noble if yes. you're genuinely doing it yeah right but the question yes. is okay well who who is actually downtrodden yes um and in what manner are you fighting from them so i think for the past 10 years look i'm gonna i'm gonna make a point that that perhaps that i, I i've never heard anyone apart from myself make um and i'll tell you where why and where i think wokeness really I, I why i think it had the timing that it did because mm -hmm. i noticed that it was from about 2012 around 2012 onwards is when it really that that was really like the the, the decade of the rise of wokeness let's say mm -hmm. 2012 to 2022 and I've, I've i've thought a little bit about why i think this is and why to i don't like the term the left but mm -hmm. to use the term, you know, the, the, the left in the USA, UK, Canada, all these countries, mm -hmm. why they sort of started getting obsessed with transgenderism and mm -hmm. adding all these letters to the LGB acronym and like just getting into like all the anti-racism, bizarre anti-racism stuff and all that. I think that, um, I think that up until 2012 or so, approximately around that year, in the modern in the western world there was always 
a legitimate fight for the left wing of the political aisle. Mm. So if you were someone who genuinely cared about people who were marginalized or not treated equally under the law or, you know, who were being victims of violence socially or who, who were socially segregated or mm. legally segregated or whatever, if you think all through American history and history of other places, you could always identify those groups. Mm -hmm. If you went back to 1950, you could point out groups and say, okay, these people are not actually being treated equally under the law, right? This group of people can't vote. Mm -hmm. This group of people is not allowed to uh, eat at the same restaurant or use mm -hmm. the same doors mm -hmm. or this or that or whatever. And then I think that I remember prior to 2012, I remember what the big fight for the liberals and the progressives was. It was always actually, um, they were really, really fighting for same-sex marriage. Mm -hmm. Right now I can have my own religious position on that, but that was like the last thing that someone could reasonably argue is, um, a discriminatory law against a group of people. Mm -hmm. People can debate that, but I think that was like the last thing on the books that someone could sort of make a rational argument mm -hmm. against that. And so once that was legalized and generally accepted what have they got what what other fights do they have to fight mm. you've got you got equality for black people you got equality yeah. for women you got equality for and now there it's like you have all of these people who are activist minded mm. and they've been fighting their whole mm. lives right they've been fighting for justice fighting for equality whatever and they're like what's next um so then they make trans right like, yeah. like, like right. and i i think i think uh, like that's when they just went they like if, if i think of the timing because prior to 2012 yeah you probably never even heard the word transgender yeah. right you probably never seen like you know they were putting rainbow flags like everywhere and adding new stripes to it and yeah. like doing like like they they got really really goofy in that following decade and i think it's just because it's kind of like rebels without a cause. Like you, you're, there's just no, right. oh, you actually, you, 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 yeah, you, you've achieved, Pendulum you said you were fighting too for, far kind of thing. Exactly. Right. Like yeah. you were fighting for equality and then, okay. Like you've achieved, like maybe someone can point something out to me, but I'm not aware of any law in the USA or the UK or Canada, which is like discriminatory against a group of people like something yeah. that men are allowed to do this but women are not or right. uh straight people can do this but gay people can't or white people can do this but brown or black people right. can't like in the past that always existed yeah it's it's gone like it's like cool like you 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 did it right like yeah. you, you you've achieved you've achieved <laughs> it um and and i i think that's why wokeism just kind of took off i think people have just been looking for the next fight it's like i dude have you have you heard at any point in your life, prior to the last few years, have you have you heard as much talk about white supremacy? Okay, no. so actual actual white white supremacy is at an all time low. <laughs> at its peak, the KKK had over four million members. Wow, what have they got now? Four? Like who even is a white supremacist? Like like right. it's not it, it's not like some. But I've never heard so many people white supremacy this white supremacy. Right. I'm like what. Who and what are you even talking about? Right. Like I, I, I've been to the USA many times. Like I'm not seeing people running around in clan hoods and burning crosses, right. and like I'm not seeing congressmen and mayors running on trying to reinstitute racial segregation. Like 
it's it's unthinkable. Yes. Um, but all of a sudden you've got people like talking about this and talking about fascism and talking about like all these phobias and isms and whatever. And it's just most people are kind of looking at it like, what are you what exactly are you referring to? Because mm. this doesn't seem to be matching with reality. So um, that's a long answer as to why I think what wokeism is, why I think it's risen. Um, but I also think it peaked around, I think it peaked 2020, 2021. Um, and I think that we're now in the very early stages of it, of the pendulum coming back. And, and so part of the reason I say that, go ahead. What are the indications of that? And I wanted to ask too, like, do you think the state leaned into that? Because it feels like wokeism may have been emergent, so, like, the way you described, but then it seemed like mm -hmm. someone threw fuel on the fire. Like the yes. state started really pushing, you know, you see rainbow flags on the White House propaganda and all this shit. Like they started to lean yeah. into it and fund it. Were they trying to like co-opt that narrative for their own purposes? You know what? I actually have, um, I think it could be a lot of different things. I, I have a theory on this. I have a theory on this, especially when it comes to what I call woke capitalism. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, you remember Occupy Wall Street, yeah. 2008. Yeah. I think that in the light of that 2008 financial crisis, that 2008, 2009 period, I think that there was a moment across the Western world where a lot of people, regardless of their political stripe or their social class, started to work out that something was sort of shifty mm -hmm. with the way that uh, these banks, <laughs> with the way these <laughs> banks were operating and so on. And if you think about it, historically and traditionally, um, the biggest, the, the natural enemy to large banks and corporations and whatever was always more the left side of the political aisle. If you mm -hmm. think about like the proper role, I, I sometimes think about like, what is the proper role of each political party and their role? And you could say that like the proper role of, to use the term, the left is to keep giant institutions in check. Mm -hmm. right to mm -hmm. stop giant corporate corporations from just like uh you know abusing their staff and instituting ridiculous right. working hours and you know making sure that they pay you know labor unions right making yeah. sure people are paid appropriately right like that is really like their proper role mm -hmm. and so they're natural enemies to a lot of these big banks and financial institutions mm -hmm. and so on so one of my theories is that I think that the um, Occupy Wall Street movement and that popu that that popularity of that movement, I think it kind of scared some of these corporations a little bit. Mm. I think they were a bit like, oh, they're they're catching on to the fact that like mm. we're doing some sketchy things with the money, and you know we're getting bailed out by the public. Meanwhile, we're mm. paying our top dogs like these huge million dollar bonuses and mm. so on, and um, you know <laughs> the proletariat are working out what we're doing, mm. and so I think one reason why certainly the corporations have adopted, hey, like let's, uh, it's June, like let's turn everything rainbow. Oh, look, it's Black <laughs> History Month. Like let's put up a fist and put a BLM hashtag and whatever is I think they realize that they can appease their natural enemies mm. by doing that, right? Mm. So we can get, we can, we can get these left-wing activists off our back right? And we right. can keep, we can keep on doing what we're doing. We can keep making all this money right. and we can keep like having sweatshop labor and we can keep like we, we can do whatever we want but you know what throw them a rainbow throw them a blm hashtag like yeah. put out a little statement just saying hey you know we love the lgbt community whatever the thing is and that'll get those guys off our backs and um i think it's actually worked quite well <laughs> yeah 
Because <laughs> I think you've actually seen a strange alignment happen where you have people who should be these organizations, natural enemies, and they're even sort of aligning, right? Remember when you started getting all these yeah. people like shilling for big pharma and, yeah. um, you know, calling themselves the resistance, yeah. but you're like now aligning with all these giant corporations and you've actually now got people who are more conservative or more on the right who are, or even more libertarian yeah. who are like, who are almost like, there's been this strange inversion yes, where the, left, <laughs> or the old left now, something like that. Yeah, exactly. Like I remember when I was when I was young, and people used to always be like, "Oh, you know, like the Republicans and the Conservative Party in the UK, like they're the ones of like big business and corporations yes. and whatever." Yeah. And there's been this like sort of strange thing happening right. where you even got people like people on the left used to be very anti-war for the most part. Yes, exactly. And now I'm like, wait, why are you, why are you kind of like shilling for the war machine? Right. Why are you? Why are right. Why are you supporting big pharma? Why are you like? It's it's all gone a little bit strange. Um. Those inversions, so, yeah, think, uh, man, those inver they, they seem calculated. They just, I don't know how that would happen naturally, right? Again, back to the mm -hmm. confusion of terms. It's like, well, when you say the left, people are like, well, are you talking about the left now? The left 20 years yeah. ago? The left, and it rotates. And I don't, yeah, I, I don't know. I, what's really been bugging me lately on the money topic is you can manufacture narratives with money. Mm. Right, you can fund wokeism. You can fund mainstream media propaganda. You can run these different psyops if you can just literally pay to manufacture the narrative. I think critical race theory is a great example too. By the way, something that's meant to combat racism by institutionalizing racism—like it's fucking nonsense. It doesn't make any sense at all. <laughs> but you can fund that. You can create that with a money printer, and people believe it, and so they start to incorporate yeah. the ideology and start to behave accordingly. So I'm like, is printing money like mind control? I mean, it's probably the closest thing we've got in a way. And so yeah, it's, it's oh, scary, dude. Yeah, it's it's certainly a factor because they can prop up things that otherwise would collapse a lot earlier than they do when you've just got all the funny yeah. money printing. Just like yeah. you can keep wars, just like you can keep wars going on. Yeah. Forever. Zombie companies like it's the same thing. Mm -hmm. These The market would spit these things out, but yeah. the money printer keeps them going. Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, but yeah, but to be optimistic, I think that um people are real people are really tired of the woke stuff, man. Yeah. Um I've I've been speaking about it publicly. I've been noticing it since like uh, 2013, 2014. I've really seen it creeping up. Mm -hmm. But I've been speaking about these things publicly, especially on Twitter or the platform now known as X, since 2018. Mm -hmm. And there's been a like when when I was talking about this stuff in 2018 and 2019, like it was it was it's man it's been five years ago since I did that uh, deadlift where I identified as a woman. <laughs> nobody no, nobody was talking about it at that time, man. Like yeah. think about it. No one was talking about that issue. People were like skirting around it. Yeah. People didn't even think it, people didn't even think it was real. People were like, "Is this really a problem?" I was and, I was in that boat. I was in that boat. Yeah, I was like, surely this can't be real. Like no one's yeah, taking right, this seriously. Right. <laughs> no, no one's seeing this. And then you see like two years later, three years yeah. later, four years later. Um, you know, you might even find with your own daughter one day, depending on, you know, if she went to a certain school, she might be up. Yeah. I've, I, I have friends who have daughters and they have bumped into this like first person Yeah, where, you know, their nine-year-old daughter is playing against some school and they've got a guy on the team. That's great. And they're like, wait, what the heck? Like what, what's going on here? Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it's happening. It's, it's the same as, you know, if in early 2020 or even mid 2020, 
if you are one of the, you know, lonely people who was speaking out against mandates and mm -hmm. lockdowns and all that stuff. And then two years later, like everyone is seemingly against mandates and lockdowns and whatever. Mm -hmm. um, I've noticed that it's, it's a lot less lonely. Um, yes. Like if I, if I criticize woke stuff now, I get no pushback. Everyone mm -hmm. is like, everyone's like, yep, like, you're right. I agree. <laughs> there was a time where it was like, oof, yes. like, you know, man, you're jumping on a landmine right now. Are you sure? Yes. You sure you want to be saying that? Are you sure you want to be like challenging these ideas and whatever? So, um, yeah, I think we've kind of hit that critical mass of enough people. I, there, there's something even going on this this week, the past couple of weeks. I haven't even followed it. Like with Bill Ackman, this mm -hmm. like billionaire guy, like he seems to be pushing back on certain things. Elon is pushing back heavy yes. against the DEI stuff and so on, and even like trans ideology. And so, you know, the the sleeping the li the sleeping lions are now awake. Yes. And I think people are seeing, you know what, this is not good for anybody. This is not good for people of, it's not good for men. It's not yeah. good for women. It's not good for black people or white people. It's not good for children, for people. sure. <laughs> it's not good for children. Yeah. Um, it's, it's not, it's not doing what was promised, yeah. right? Look at be look at dude. L let's give the, the most obvious example. I can't believe I missed it, man. Um, dude. Okay, let me tell you how I know that. Okay, we've definitely passed peak woke. Do you know the most controversial tweet I've ever put out in the almost 15 years I've been on Twitter? When I say controversial, I mean the only one that ever caused me genuine problems in my life. It was my tweet in spring 2020 criticizing BLM. Really? Dude. That was the only post I've ever put out, which caused like actual problems in my life, like with personal relationships with people very close to me. Wow. I don't just mean like internet backlash. I mean, yeah. like, yeah, I won't even go into it in detail, but that, that was the one because, and my only sin was being too early. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right. You remember the BLM summer of 2020, right? You remember yeah. how emotional people were, how right. jacked up people were. How, like it it was it was crazy and it was global yeah. as well um remember people posting the black square on instagram and yeah. like all the hashtags and like how many millions of dollars got donated i i, I said the whole thing was a scam i said this is yeah. a scam organization um and they're I, I can't remember the exact wording i used the tweet is still up um and now where are we now a few years later everyone's like oh yeah blm is a scam yeah. I'm like, oh, now you worked it out. Right. Now you worked out that they took millions of dollars and they went out and they bought large mansions and none of that money went to any racial justice causes. Right. It didn't go to uh, rebuilding anything. It did, All that happened is the people who were running it massively profited from it and made off like bandits, right? Are so, racial relations better? Yeah. No. Are black people in America doing better? No. Uh, was there investment into certain areas and communities? No. Um, and I said that from the beginning, because this organization has existed for the best part of a decade. And I was already aware that it wasn't what it said on the tin, but because it had a nice name and because people are emotional and whatever, this went crazy. So I think that in itself is a massive change. I mean, if the view of BLM from 2020 to the view of BLM now, like if someone said that, like they support BLM now, you're like, really? Like, you know that they're like... <laughs> Right. Even normies yeah. are like, yeah, yeah, like it's not, it, it's not. So yeah. Um, I took a lot of flack for that, <laughs> but um, yeah, I think, think things have changed. I think there's, there's been a big shift in the Overton window and a shift in the public consciousness and 
as much as it's dude, I'll tell you another thing that was huge. I think Elon buying X is huge for sure. I think it's huge having one, having at least one big platform where you can actually speak pretty freely. I recognize it's not perfect, sure, but compared to compared to what it was like, it's way better compared to what oh, it was yeah. like, man. Um, you know, the walls were really closing in on everybody. So I think that what he, I think that what he's done with that in the future, people are going to recognize just how, just how important it was to have yes. that sort of pressure release valve For where sure. people were just being stifled, banned. Left. You remember when they were banning all the doctors, yeah. anyone who was questioning the man, like it got bad and um, yeah, it's gotten better, man. So maybe we just need to make sure we don't overcorrect into the other direction. Right. But um, I think, I, th I think we'll come back to, uh, I think I, I see many signs that we're coming back to a healthy balance. I think just the fact more people are willing to even speak on these issues and voice mm -hmm. their concerns. Um, I think that's all really positive. I see it happening with media. I see it happening in academia. I see it happening with individuals, corporations, um, there's sports uh, organizations that have just said like, look, if you were born a man, you can't compete mm -hmm. as a woman, right. you know, so <laughs> which you think they would have worked that out earlier, but you know, it's, I'm like, okay, you're late, but it's, it's happening. So good think, ones um, out, good ones out. Yeah. Right. I mean, it, yeah. I, yeah. I, and I'll, 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 do, do you know, man, I'm sorry. You're, you're triggering please. so many thoughts here is, um, the, the other thing, the other reason why I, I also think um, woke ideology will collapse is simply because the ideas are not good, yes. right? The, the, these are <laughs> yes. the, these are not these yes. are not good and pro-social and sustainable ideas, right? Right. So it, any of them, critical race theory, right. theory, it's ter terrible idea, terrible idea, right? So you're gonna you're gonna sit down all of these children of different colors and ethnicities. And you're going to tell the white kids that they're guilty for things that people who in the did in the past who shared the same right. amount of melanin as them and that they're privileged and that right. they are somehow oppressing their friends who are right. of a different shade. And then you're telling the black kids that, um, you know, really you're second class citizens and, you know, white people are privileged over you. Right. Um, and oh, and by the way, we live in a society that's based on white supremacy and um, you're going to have to work 10 times as hard to achieve the same thing as your friend, Billy, because he's white and you're brown and um, wh whatever other nonsense they're like, right. all of this is, th this is, this is terrible stuff. Like rather it's, it's than really... teaching them that their individuals and their choices matter and their actions matter and like giving them yeah. uh, agency and the ability to participate in history rather than yeah. like, oh, here, you're a victim of this. You're a victim of that. Here's how it works. You know, it just... You're 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 destroying the sovereignty and individuality of kids, basically. So then they yes. grow up with this class mentality, and we're right back into Marxism, right? It's exactly. like this class versus that class, or 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 even worse. Because I'll tell you, one of the biggest problems I have with wokeness is it, um, if left unchecked, it actually has the potential to trigger and create the enemy that they talk about, but which hardly exists. Mm -hmm. Right. Every force has an equal and opposite reaction. And mm -hmm. if you keep pushing the far left ideology, you're going to create you, you can actually push people to an extreme right. Sure. And right. Because if you're too. going around, like look, if if you're going around and you're like telling you're 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 telling white white people that they are evil 
and that they're oppressors and that they need to atone mm-hmm. and they're they're guilty of things that they've never done and whatever. Do you not think that at some point you're going to create like a white identitarian movement? You're going to get people who are like, hey, I'm I'm proud to be white. Like we should like, okay, black people are allowed to stick together and this group is sticking together. Mm-hmm. And okay, now white people need to stick together and we need to do all this. And I'm like, guys, we've we've been here before. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> like, right. like yes. we, 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 we've been here before. Yes. I'm grateful to have been born in a time when the world was already beyond all of that stuff. And I, yes. I think it's quite pleasant. I think it's quite cool that we could all just like interact with each other yes. and be friends yes. with each other and do business with each other and sit in the same restaurant and we can date and marry um, women of whichever uh, background or ethnicity yes. or whatever. And it's not like you know, dude, there used to be like laws against that not that so long ago. Crazy. Yeah, right. And so I'm just like, guys, like, this is where um, it's funny, because a lot of people in the West, you know, I'm, I'm generally considered, you know, like, a conservative or libertarian, and I, I am in many ways. Um, But in this area, I'm like, to me, this is like, true liberalism. Mm-hmm. Like, this is yes. what liberalism was supposed to be. It's not supposed to be collectivism. Right. It's supposed to be, hey, you see and treat people as individuals yes. on their own merit, content of character, right. not their immutable traits. I'm not here like judging people based on, uh, you know, oh, you know, this is your color or this is where you're from or this is right. your sexuality or right. you're a man or you're a woman. So I'm going to treat you totally different. I'm or just you're like, tall oh, or you're short. Like, yeah, it's yeah, <laughs> it's so obvious in a way, like because ob- obviously that's what's real, that people are individuals. People have the freedom to choose. Like you can't just be like, oh, well, that person's tall and that person's tall. So let me put them in the same bucket. You know, the, they're equally bad or equally good. Yeah. It's amazing that this class consciousness thing has been so effective. But I hope I agree with you. There's a lot to be hopeful for. And it seems like a cohort of people is waking up to this bullshit. It's like you can't. We're always going to need labels and groupings to decomplexify the world and talk about it. But talking Mm. about the world is not the same thing as participating in the world. Like Mm. there's 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 complexity beyond words. Again, back to the whole wisdom thing, right? That the world's made up of acting individuals, not groups. Yes. And I don't know that it's so obvious in a way, but. You know, we're we're coming out of the dark ages still. I was blown away to learn that this book I've been reading recently, 175 years ago, they were having academic intellectual debates at institutions like Harvard about whether or not white people were superior to other races. Like this was an actual oh, yeah. open point of academic, like trying to figure out, are we, are we not? It's like, are you fucking kidding? Did no one just stand up at any point? Be like, I'm pretty sure we're all human. Like, I'm pretty fucking sure we are all human. Did you hear about what Germany did 80 years ago? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, dude, um, 1994, Rwanda. 80, is it only 80 years ago, Germany? It's only 80 been 80 years. That's what I mean. It it's feels like, like the distant past, but yeah, it's 80. It's a one yeah. person ago. One person ago. It's, it's scary yeah. when you think of it that way and you yeah. see how far things went. And that's why I'm, um, I'm very, I'm very, very cautious and um critical of identity politics in general mm-hmm. i'm really not a fan of it when people just start speaking in these big very very broad yes collective terms low resolution and assign yeah and assigning sort of goodness and badness to different groups just based off immutable characteristics you know you see one person who's a certain color or whatever i even see it like with men and women these days right like 
one woman does something stupid and now, you know, all women are X or one man does something bad. And now all men are, you know, we're all trash. Men in general are trash now because sure. I'm just like, guys, can we, I understand the temptation to do that. Mm. I can understand it because it's kind of, it's like being a co cognitive miser and just oversimplifying the world and yes, using very exactly. basic heuristics. So I think there's always a temptation and there's, there's also an audience for it, which I think yes. is a bit of a problem. It's kind yeah. of incentivized in a way. And I'm just like, guys, can we, let's be cautious here. Mm. Um, I know we're all going to overgeneralize sometimes. Sure. I've done it a couple of times on this podcast, right? I, sure. I don't like using the term the left, but right. I don't know another shorthand way to talk about it in a exactly. way people will understand. Yeah. Um, but like, let's just be cautious of, you know, whenever someone is making a statement of, you know, all black people are X or all white people are Y or all men are this. And it's always untrue. It has to be yeah. untrue. It has to be untrue. Yeah. Like, yeah. Know. Unless you're saying something like, you know, oh, they they have a they have a heartbeat or they have two legs yes. or something. It's right, like, right, 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 right. If it's like a value assignment or a personality assignment yes. or a behavioral assignment, right. you're usually going to be like pretty far off base and it's not going to be that useful. 100%. And that's it. I mean, that's a key to rationality is like, it's okay to use the things to decomplexify the world, but realize that it's provisional and it's shorthand, as you said, it's not the world, right? Yeah. What did the Taoists say? Don't mistake the finger that points at the moon for the moon. Like it's a, it's a pointer, <laughs> it's a proxy, it's a, a representation. So I've kept you way too long, by the way. Oh, dude, it's um, all good. I've really enjoyed the convo, man. Yeah, I really have as well. Um, I, I'm so, like, thank you for always speaking out against wokeism, and I'm so happy <laughs> to see it falling apart. I was a late. I didn't catch on to the. It took me a while. I was like, surely people don't take that seriously. Yeah. <laughs> like you see this stuff on the internet, and I'm like, that's never. That's not real. Someone made that up. That's bullshit. And then you start seeing it in real life, and you're like, oh my god, yeah, this is actually a thing. People really believe it. But um, it's thanks to people like you that this thing is falling apart. You know poking Thank holes you. in Thank it you. with with lances of truth and it's just finally dying so yeah um i look forward to seeing you again in person i think you said you'll be in miami soon yeah i'll be in florida um i don't know when this is coming out but end of the month and then um i'll be in the states many times this year i'm sure awesome let's we have to yeah. connect in miami i'm, I'm gonna have in-person studio there we should do one of these lives awesome um, let's do it Dude, thank you so much. Where can people find you on the internet? I am on all social media at Zuby Music. That is Z-U-B-Y Music. And um, you can check out my podcast, Real Talk with Zuby, which is available on all platforms. And my music is on all platforms. Just search Zuby and you will find me anywhere. Zuby, thank you so much.